Welcome to today's show. We're talking about aggression, more specifically, predatory aggression. When your dog's chasing, catching, and trying to dispatch or kill a small animal or prey-like creature. Before we jump into why that happens, how that happens, what predatory aggression is, and all that, I want to tell you a quick little story about chasing down little birds. It's going to be a sad one. But don't worry, the bird gets away. Uh, right? It's a sad story, but the bird does get away, so you have that much to look forward to. So, I walked out into my backyard, walked out into my backyard, and I had both my dogs with me. Now remember, this is a Great Dane Border Collie, and this is a Retriever. They both come outside with me. And we had this section that we fenced off so our dogs could go to the bathroom in that section and we could clean it more easily so that we had the rest of the yard to be nice and pristine and all that. So we, I bring my dogs over to that area and one of them had the ability to jump over the small fence that we created. So he jumps over and he makes a beeline, like a direct line for the corner. And he doesn't do this. He'll usually go sniff around, maybe find a spot, go to the bathroom, whatever. No, no, no. He made a direct beeline for the corner. I know that something must be over there. So I recall him away as fast as I can. I said, Hawk! Turns, he runs towards me. Just as I did that, a bird flew up into the sky. I'm like, oh boy. Bird flies up, gets out of range, and my Great Dane border collie's behind me. He leaps up into the air, leaps up into the air, trying to catch the bird, and just misses. So now I recall Tommy. Great Dane Border Collie, and I put him into the backyard fenced area so I can see that, make sure that the bird got away safely. Well, the bird doesn't get very far. Something had happened with its wing, or it uh, was wet, or something happened, and the bird was unable to fly very far. So it lands. As I'm looking for the bird, my retriever jumps back over the fence out of the fenced-in area, into the main yard, and chases after the bird again. I don't see this because I'm looking around for the bird. Now he goes behind me as I look around to check the fenced-in area. He sneaks around and he pins the bird down by its wings. Doesn't eat it, doesn't bite it, doesn't lick it, just pins it down and is staring at it very intently. The second I see this, I recall him back. He lets go of the bird flies back, I put him back in the house, I grab my Great Dane, I put him in the house, and now I go see where the bird is. Bird was gone. I know my dog didn't need it. I don't know where the bird went, but the bird is gone. Completely gone. How was I able to recall both dogs away from a moving target, a bird? One that almost caught it while it was jumping in the air, and the other one twice when it was on top of the dog, on, on top of the bird, literally on top of the bird, holding it down, looking directly at it. Could have decided to eat it. I could have just said, oh, I'm not going to recall this time. I'm going to eat this bird. But it didn't. It stopped what it was doing, and it came right back to me. The power of a recall is insanely important. I just talked about this on one of my social media platforms. We were talking about recall and how important it is to get your dog to stop doing any bad behavior. Just recall them away, and they will stop doing the bad behavior. They cannot do both. It's incompatible. They're chewing on the couch, recall them. They're chasing after a bird, recall them. Okay? It doesn't help if they're already on top of you, but if they're at a distance and they're doing something they're not supposed to, recall them. Makes it ten times easier. So what is predatory aggression? 
Why did my dogs chase after this bird so much? Why were they so invested in what the bird was doing? Predatory aggression is the biological purpose of your dog to chase, catch, and dispatch. That's it. Chase, catch, and dispatch. They want to chase something, they want to catch it, and then they want to dispatch or kill it. Now, that can be a bird, that can be a bunny, that can be a rabbit, that could be a squirrel, that could be a cat, that could be a smaller dog. And if you have a dog that's barking and reactive because of predatory aggression, you know exactly when that is. Right? You see a, a tiny little fluffy dog and you got a German Shepherd. If your dog's in predatory aggression, they want to go eat that fluffy dog. Now, there is a caveat to predatory aggression that most people forget about. If your dog is barking, they are not in predatory aggression. How do I know that? How do I have a, a level of certainty to say, I know that your dog is not in predatory aggression if they're barking? Because barking would push the prey away. Why would your dog want to get the prey to go further away? It makes zero sense. They could be overstimulated and excited and bark. They could be really friendly and want to get something and bark. They could be terrified and bark. But predatory aggression and barking do not go together. They do not mix. Unless your dog has learned to bark and is doing it intentionally. That goes into learned aggression. That's a little messy. Learned aggression is a complete different animal. Well, it's the same animal, it's just a different methodology, different theory, that kind of thing. That's learned aggression, that's completely different. But predatory aggression, true predatory aggression is to chase, catch, and dispatch, period. I keep wanting to say dispatch an animal, but that's not true. Chase, catch, and dispatch, anything. Could be a tug toy, could be a ball, that's why dogs love fetch. Chase, catch, and dispatch. Now, this is not a drive. People talk about prey drive, ball drive, squirrel drive. See how ridiculous that gets very quickly? Rabbit drive. They love rabbit. Deer drive. They love chasing deer. Makes no sense. A drive, although we've socially accepted it, oh, drives exist, right? My dog's got good ball drive. They got good food drive. It's not true because drive insinuates that it builds up in the animal and must be expressed. It must be expressed. It's the wrong word. You cannot say drive is a behavior. Aggression is a behavior. Drive is not. Drive. Oh, my dog has a lot of prey drive. They're very prey driven. No, they have predatory aggression. Predatory aggression. Drive insinuates it builds up and must be expressed to the point where it'll keep building and building and building and building and building. And at some point your dog's like, I can't hold it anymore. And then they got to go do it. That's not what happens. If I had cookie drive, okay, I love chocolate chip cookies. I love chocolate chip cookies. Love chocolate chip cookies. If I have food drive for cookies, cookie drive, at some point I would be satiated. That's not true. It's not true. You want to know how I know it's not true? Because I've tested it. I, I once sat down with an entire box of cookies. I think it was even two boxes, but we'll, we'll say it's a box so I don't sound fat. It was an entire box of cookies, and I had ginger ale next to me. Why did I have the ginger ale? Because I was determined to finish this box. And some of you might say, oh, a box of cookies, that's nothing. It was a big box. And if a box of cookies are nothing to you, it's because 
drives don't exist. Because if a full box of cookies, we're like, oh yeah, I could eat a whole box of cookies. No problem. That's right. And if you ate the box of cookies, you might want to go get another box of cookies or a couple more. You are not satiated simply because you ate a certain number of cookies. Your dog is not satiated simply because they caught and released all of their predatory drive. Now, they are rewarded for catching and dispatching, chasing, catching, and dispatching through predatory aggression because aggression is a behavior and it can be rewarded and punished accordingly. So if your dog is increasingly increasing in the likelihood of performing predatory aggression, then they are being rewarded each time. Let me take that back. Let me, let me take a step back there. If your dog is increasing in the likelihood of expressing predatory aggression, they're being rewarded for doing so. So they're nice and quiet. They're calm. They're staring out on the bird. They chase after it. They catch it. They de uh, dis dispatch. That's the word. I, keep, I wanted to say dismantle. That sounds terrible. Dispatch. Right? They dispatch. They get rewarded for the entire event. Now, break one of those things off. Chop one of those things off. I'm not going to let my, cha my dog chase the prey animal. I'm not going to let them chase. Well, then they cannot catch and they cannot dispatch. If I'm going to let them chase, but I don't let them catch, then they can't dispatch. And if I'm going to have my dog chase and catch, but don't let them dispatch, I've broken up the sequence. So for my dog, Hawk, the first time, I didn't let him chase him. I interrupted him as he was chasing and called him back. So he did not catch and therefore dispatch. Now, the second time, he did catch, but I did not let him dispatch, so I recalled him away. That way, I do not reward the predatory aggression. Do my dogs still like perk up and they look around and like, ooh, what's, what's that over there? Yeah. Can I immediately call them off of it? Absolutely. So now let's get into how do we stop our dog? How do we stop them from expressing this kind of predatory aggression? How do we stop them from chasing, catching, and dispatching? There's two ways to do it. I'll give you two ways. Maybe I'll give you a third way, but there's two ways to do it. Actually, I'm going to give you three. Number one, management. It's the easiest way to do it. Always, 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 always manage. Well, I can put a muzzle on my dog so that if they do chase something, they don't kill it. I can put a nice tight leash on them, never give them the freedom to go and try. Or I can keep them inside my house all the time. Those are your three management practices. I'm sure there's a whole bunch and you could go on management practices for days, years even. And people do train management for years. That's what a lot of people get stuck at. I'm going to stay at management. I'm going to manage my dog's life. Just like we try to do with kids all the time. I'm going to manage my kids. I'm not going to put them in dangerous situations. Instead of teaching them how to do those dangerous situations in a safe way. My son's two and a half years old. We go to the playground. Sure, there are some things I would much rather not have him climb on. Not because they're dangerous when he's touching them, but because he could fall. But after a few repetitions of teaching him how, he knows exactly what he needs to do to get from point A to point B. And now I can sit back, talk with other parents, and watch my son from afar and know that he can climb up ladders by himself. That's right. Two and a half years old, he can climb up ladders. He can go up the slide. Up the slide, not down. He can go down the slide, but he can go up the slide. He knows how to communicate with his friends. He can't go down the fire pole yet, even though he really wants to. He just doesn't have the grip. But he can do all of those other things, which means he knows how to exist in a dangerous situation in a safe way.
That makes me more confident and comfortable with him playing, and it makes him more confident and comfortable. So managing your dog is always going to be the easiest way to do it, but you need to eventually move into teaching them. So the second way to do it is called stimulus control. Stimulus control is rewarding them for doing it on purpose and rewarding them for not doing it when they're not told to do it. How does this look? Playing with your dog. The old way to do it is tug. You could use a flirt pole. You could just use fetch. But you want to get their brain to that excited level of predatory aggression and then teach them how to control it. How to channel it in a productive way. We want to get them actually thinking about doing it, but then going, okay, wait, I really want to go chase that ball, but I know I got to listen first. And I got to wait for the release cue to go get that ball. So I'm going to sit here nice and patiently. I'm going to stare at the ball, and then I'm going to look at my owner, and then I'm going to look back at the ball, and then I'm going to look back at my owner, and they're going to tell me to go do it, and now I can go chase the ball. One step above that is I'm going to teach them to go to the ball, and I'm going to recall them away, just like I did with Hawk and Tommy. I taught them. In those high stressful situations, when I tell you to go do something, I can always call you back. I can stop you halfway. That's the power of a really good recall in using indirect rewarding. Or rather, the pre-MAC theory in this case. They are slightly different. So I'm sending them to go do something. I'm like, hey, go do this. Sure, go chase the ball. Go chase the flirt pole. But before you get there, I'm going to tell you to do something else. You might even have your dog chasing the flirt pole, right? You're moving around, and you tell them to drop. You say, down. Boom, they plop down. You're still moving the flirt pole. What is, what is that teaching them? It's not the chase, catch, and dispatch that's important. It's engaging with you. It's playing with you. It's chasing, but I'm not going to let you catch it right now. Maybe I'll let you catch it later or tomorrow or next week. But right now, I'm not going to let you do that. But you have to teach your dog that eventually they do succeed. Work on stimulus control and then even the variable reward schedule. This is all advanced stuff. But you have to go through the whole process. You cannot just go through one sliver. One sliver isn't going to help you. You got to go through the whole process. That's why in Matador University, the courses that I've created don't give you 10%. I don't sell just the 10%. I don't want clients going, okay, well, I got the 10%. I'm good. I can stop. No, 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 no. You got all this way to go. If it's worth doing, it's worth completing. If it's worth doing, it's worth completing. If you are interested in any of those kind of courses and having the whole story, not just the 10%, not the 1% that I get to talk to you know, on these episodes and stuff, and on social media, the half of 1%, if you want the whole story, matadorcanine.com slash matadoruniversity. matadorcanine.com slash matadoruniversity. You get everything. The whole nine yards, the whole 10 yards, okay? And then the second, the second option. Now remember, this is a biological purpose. Biological purpose to chase, catch, and dispatch. With that, you can counter condition. You teach them to do something else. In the presence of a prey animal, I can teach them an incompatible behavior, and I can counter condition. Right? Condition is something that previously meant nothing, that now means something. We can counter that. Say, okay, this thing that meant nothing but does mean chase, now means do this. Option A, B, or C, whatever it is. Right? So when they see a squirrel, their first option is to lay down. This is what farmers do with border collies. When they see a sheep, they want to go chase it. They want to go do something. Right? Wow, ah, yeah. I want to I get them all tight together. But what's the first thing a border collie should do? Ooh, I see them, I lay down. And I'm going to stare at them really intent. 
and I'm going to wait to be told to do something. And once I get told to do something and I stop doing that thing, I'm going to lay down again. Man. And they, they, they stalk. They get so laser focused on what they need to do. You can teach that. And in fact, it's one of the ways I taught Tommy how to say hello to people. We counter conditioned his initial response to seeing somebody. Ooh, look at that person. Yeah, I want to go say hi. And his initial response was to go chase because he wanted to go tackle you to the ground and give you all of his love and pee all over the place. But instead, we taught him when he sees somebody, just sit, put your butt down. They will come to you. Now when he sees somebody and he really wants to say hello, he's got all this pent-up energy, his butt hits the ground so fast he'd leave a crater in the earth. That's what we want. That's the kind of conditioning you can do when you know how to do it. Now, what happens if they're too strong? My dog's predatory aggression is way too powerful. They have such a high prey drive. What do I do? You have to set them up for success. Teach them stimulus control and counter conditioning. You have to do all of it. You can't pick. You've got to do all of those things. I'm going to manage their life, their situations, and what they're capable of doing, what they're able to do. Well, they're not going to go out in the front yard off leash anymore. They're not going to be in the backyard unsupervised. That's number one. Number two, I'm going to teach them through play, through treats, through engagement, that you can only do things when I tell you to go do them, and you cannot do them when I don't tell you to do them. On your own time, yeah, you can sit, you can down, but the stimulus control is what I'm talking about. If I tell you to chase something, go get it, and you can go do it. But until then, don't. And then three, you got to counter condition. Every time they see a squirrel, and I, you know, pl- you know, get a little stuffed animal, put it in the corner. Go for a walk, and when you see the stuffed animal and your dog sees the stuffed animal, teach him to do something. Repetition over and over and over. If your dog is that strong-willed, that strong-willed, you need to at least all three of these steps, if not more training on top of that. You should be doing obedience, socialization, working around distractions. Reward schedules are a must. All of that stuff comes together. And that's the only reason I was able to call Hawk and Tommy multiple times in a row without having treats on me, without having a ball, without having toys. Is the only reason I was able to call them away from a bird that was on the ground at their level, in their paws. The only reason I was able to do that is because I did all of those things. I managed their life while I was teaching them. I taught them stimulus control. I counter-conditioned them to over-exciting things. We worked on reward schedules. Again, that's that whole journey. If you're not going to go through the whole journey, at least go through those three steps. At least go through those three steps. Or give up and just manage your dog's entire life. I'll be honest with you. That's what a lot of people do, and that's fine. You can do that. I'm not saying you can't. Do that, and you are going to be stuck in a box. You do not have the freedom. You do not have the enjoyment that you want to have with your dog. You just, you're not going to. Don't put yourself in a box. I beg you, do not put yourself in a box. At least do these three things. Management, stimulus control, counter conditioning. You'll be light years ahead of what you were yesterday. Yeah, start doing them right now. Thank you guys for listening. If this spoke to you personally, if it hit you, and you were like, damn, i got to go work with my dog right now. Good. Turn this off right now and go work with your dog. Thank you guys, and I'll see you next time.